I had the feeling that everyone around me, they were a lot cooler somehow, and they had their, their stuff together. And it, it applied a lot of stress somehow that, you know, I feel honestly so insecure if I'm doing well enough, right? And that's what I mean by... Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hey, this is Jeppe Rindum, CEO and co-founder of Playo. You are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hey, and welcome, Jeppe. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to this. Great to have you here, and it seems like my unconventional way to get you on LinkedIn worked. It, it, it did work. Uh, congrats on doing that. Um, made me respond. I always start when I talk with Danish people just to build a bit more rapport. I'm actually a quarter Danish. Oh, really? That's, uh, that's fantastic. My grandfather was from Kolding, and then he moved to Copenhagen and Stockholm. So I, I love Denmark. So, Jeppe, let's get going. First thing first. Please, Jeppe, what is Pleo? Do the elevator pitch. I will do the elevator pitch. So uh, Pleo is the product for uh, small and mid-sized businesses that basically allow your team to buy whatever they need for work. Uh, no matter if they need to pay with a card or pay an invoice, they could do it in Pleo. Uh, giving finance folks the safety around it, um, but also really relieving you for all the administration taking care of your receipts, automatically categorizing it and passing it on to accounting and bookkeeping in a very structured format. So, you know, a next generation way of uh, buying and, and running your buying processes. Great pitch. And the full transparency for the listeners, me and Vam is a Playo customer and we are super happy. I, I love Playo. Fantastic. Good to hear. So that is why it's extra fun to have you here because I really love what you have created. So, Jeppe. Let's keep going. How did you end up as a CEO? Oh, that was, um, that was easy in the sense that uh, we were two people uh, founding the company and um, we were very complementary uh, in our skill set. So Nico, my co-founder, came from a technical background and, and it was so obvious that he would focus on technology uh, and I came from a business background. So it was basically obvious that I focused on that and, and took the C CEO uh, role. And then uh, fast forward seven years, and that's still the case. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we hope for many, many years ahead. And then I want to know now, since you are still CEO, what do you like the most about being a CEO? Yeah, I think um, for me, what CEO is, is one thing, but I think being a founding CEO uh, is slightly different thing. And, and I think what I like with that is, is really the ability to, uh, to decide who you want to work with. And, um, and, and really design the organization around you as, as you wanted it to be. And you cannot really do that as a, as a hired CEO because you will inherit something and it will take time to transform. But, but founding a company as a CEO, I think the greatest thing is really just designing uh, the organization and influencing the values and, and the, the culture. 
Um, so if I had to single out one thing, that would be it. And if we take this day one step deeper, why would you say that this is so important for you to design it? And well, for me personally, uh, what gives me energy in in my work and in my private time is is the people around me. Um, I need uh, I need to care for them mutually. I need to respect them, and not least, we we need to have some sort of chemistry that allows us to have fun while we're building. There's a lot of There's a lot of tough stuff going on in the startup world. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of defeats and, and wins. But if you have people sharing it with that you care for and, and you enjoy working with, it makes the journey so much more uh, more fun. So for me, it, it is just such a fundamental ingredient uh, that is required for for me and I think other people as well to, to have the resilience to go through this uh, qu- quite exhaustive journey. And with this answer, you are laying it up for me for the first question from the listener. So here we go with Jenny Holmström from Coupleness. Hi, Jeppe. You being a founder of a unicorn, I'm super interested to learn more how you care for your close relationships. Why? We know from the longest study on happiness from Harvard that close relationships, more than money or fame, are what keep people happy throughout their lives. So my question for you is, How do you care for your own relationships with your family and friends? Is that something you've actively been thinking about throughout your company journey? I'm looking forward to your answer. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it is both what creates happiness, but I think I've even read that it is it is also what creates a long life. Um, you know, the community around you and the quality of that is actually what makes you live longer. So, um, so it's definitely a, a relevant subject. And I think another finding has been that It's not so much the quantity of your relationships; it's very much, you know, the quality of uh, of, of them. Now, I'll be I'll be honest that the, the the journey that I've been on together with the rest of Cleo the last seven years has been consuming a lot of my time and and my energy and my focus, and and it does mean that. I haven't had so much time to distribute uh, to to the wider family and 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 friendships. So, uh, what I have prioritized the most is is my my close family. So I have a wife and, and three children, and my very closest friends. And um, with with the family, for me, it's about making sure that there are some uh, there is some time and dedication to this. Um, and some routines and and for me the routines are like really dedicating my mornings with the family and and i i i spend time with my three kids every morning and i bring them to school and daycare and and again having quality time um uh, around dinner time and until they go to sleep so some, some very strict rules around how and you know really also try to take time for weekends and vacations and and, and that whole thing i try to limit my traveling uh, as well because i think a lot can be done virtually whereas for my my friends uh, my my very closest friends i i actually feel that we've gotten to a much much higher quality level whilst i've been b- building playo and, and that is more around I would say the intensity intensity of how we engage in the conversations we have and and, and actually also see them more than ever. Uh, but but there's a lot of other more um, um, uh, distant fr- friendships that that I simply have not been able to prioritize in the same way, which which is mere consequence of of not having the time. Thank you for the answers here, Jeppe, and thank you, Jenny, for the great question. Moving on. 
back to you as a leader, Jeppe. What would you say is your greatest strength as a leader? Or if you don't just want to pinpoint one, one or two or three things? So so I think what uh, what Nico and I and, and the rest of the leadership team have been pretty good at, if I had to to mention one, is to um, to, to think in a scalable way. And early on, uh, I think Nico and I were very aware that we wanted to address a scalable problem space. We were we were not you know we didn't came up with Playo overnight and and like you know just randomly started started building Playo. We we actually started um, just building a company, and we were playing around with different problem spaces. And the, one of the reasons we fell in love with Playo was both we felt that this was a big big and wide acknowledged problem. Um, and and we could build a great company within this space, and we also had a technology angle to solving it. But we were thinking scalability from early on. The way we built the product and the infrastructure, Nico was thinking that this needs to scale. The way that we uh, build our organization, we cared for the long run. So I think you know, um, having a good balance between this MVP scrappiness way of thinking which sometimes is the right way, but also that, hey, this needs to survive and, and, and we need to be able to build a skyscraper on top of this foundation. So let's do things right. I think we've been, been fairly clever uh, at, at doing that early on. And, and if you ask me more personally, um, I, I, th- I think I'm, I'm, um, I'm a fairly structured thinker and I'm fairly good at translating that into clear communication, uh, and I know how to sell, um, which is handy because, um, particularly in the early stage, there's a lot of selling. You know, you you sell to customers, but you also sell a dream and a vision to convince people to join your company. You sell to investors. You sell to partners. You being able to communicate and and create followership through your your communication is extremely important and i think i've been been fairly strong at that thank you and then uh, question number two then and this is actually because this is regarding sales and it's from my previous podcast partner with my business pod my huge podcast before so he's the sales guru from sweden mikael arnt and his question is hey Jeppe. What would you say have been the biggest challenges when you built your sales teams at Playo and how did you solve them? In, in building a great sales team at, as any, anywhere else in the business, it's about being able to attract the right people. And I think that has not been always easy. And I think particularly in the Nordics, there is... Um, there is not an industry around salespeople. It's not, you know, you don't, you don't graduate from university and business school as a salesperson. Quite on the opposite, the sales competence and career, it's not amongst the top five most acknowledged career paths. So what has been a little bit difficult for us has been to articulate the great career opportunity within sales in Playo. And we've been able, we've been required to, to sort of um, communicate that in a in a little bit of an innovation, in innovative way, that sales is not only about you know a car dealership salesperson, it is about strategy, it's about leadership, 
It is about, you know, communication and, and tactics and so on. And we framed it as more of, a, you could say, an academy and a, and a, and a very proven leadership career in, in Playo. Uh, and by the way, also now uh, offering opportunities to, uh, to learn from other nationalities in Lisbon, where our sales hub is. So we've had to package it in a very clear and attractive way in order for us to, to attract the caliber of people that we wanted to attract. And, and that has been a little bit difficult. Yeah, I can understand that. And I also, yeah, it makes sense, total sense what you just said. So thank you, Jeppe, for the answer. Let's moving on then to challenges. We talked about strength, what you liked about being a CEO, but let's talk about challenges. What is your biggest challenge right now? The biggest challenge by far uh, now and earlier on as well, I think, is, is managing the, the pace of our growth, uh, particularly on the organizational side. We have been doubling the organization uh, roughly in the last eight months, which means uh, bringing on four or 500 people in, in, in eight months. We've been sitting at 50 to 100 new people joining the company for, for, for a while every month. And figuring out how to set people up for success uh, has been difficult. Early on, it was also attracting them. We have been able to productize that and, and we have a really strong... A large recruitment agency internally. Now it's more about how do we make sure they come in and they have the impact they want to have after little time. Super, super difficult. Um, we've, we've, in order to mitigate this, we have uh, reorganized the company. We, we came from a more, uh, I would say, classic functional structure uh, where, um, as you can imagine, Almost any delivery in Playo, any mission, any uh, strategy cannot be delivered by just one single function, which means that if you are accountable to, let's say, bring Playo to market in France, you would have to rely on every single function to do that. And if people on average have six, six seven, eight months of tenure in the, in the company, um, it is very hard to navigate those dependencies it's almost impossible. And if just one single person can disrupt the whole timeline and delivery, you're almost bound to fail. So in order to navigate these dependencies, we decided to reorganize the company around the problems that we are solving. So instead of being functional, we are problem-centric. So uh, for example, we have an organization which is around market expansion. And within that sub-organization, they would have all the competencies available to make that happen. No matter if it's legal, finance, product, engineering, marketing, sales, that would sit in that same organizational unit, taking away some of these dependencies. And that has been replicated around the organization um, uh, so that we have 16, we call them domains, you could say business units that are centered around certain deliveries. Um, but it's, it's coming back to it, by far, this is the hardest thing to 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 navigate in a, in a hyperscaling company. I, I understand that because I heard fifteen markets in fifteen months <laughs> in South Nordic's podcast. Shout out to them! Great episode too. And then I want to continue here on about another thing I heard in that podcast, South Nordic. You said that you and Player are religious in how you hire. Can you please quickly explain the most essential steps? Yeah, I, I think our, our hiring process is not um, 
groundbreaking in any way. I think there are there are probably two things that makes us stand out a bit. One is we're very thorough. Um, and in order to to get a job in Playo, you there's a lot of interactions. Uh, and number two is we we have a values interview, which which may be a little little different. But we simply have a step in the process where we try to figure out: Do you do you as a person carry the values that we we see uh, fitting with with our company? Um, and, and that's important to us that you you come in and you you, you fit in from a personality uh, point of point of view, culture point of view. And is that with a test or is that with a case or how, how do you just measure that? There there is both a, a, a case uh, and 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 tests, but but it is that it is basically um, you know. A conversation around what you believe in, what's important for you in your life, wh- where are you today, um, and stuff like that, just to figure out is this um, is this a thinker um, that that fits into to to, to play. I understand. I think now it's time for because we don't have so many minutes left, so it's time for the third and last question from a listener, and this is from Alexandra Drottler at Netigate. Hi, Jeppe. I would love to know if you set short and long-term goals for yourself and if you follow any daily routines. I definitely set long-term goals for the company. Um, yeah, but that wasn't the question. It was for you. I hold myself accountable for that. So so it, be- it becomes my goal, of course, as well. But for, but on a non-company uh, level, I I tend to say I don't. Uh, I, I don't set goals for where I am uh, in in five or, or or ten years. I do set uh, goals for myself occasionally, six twelve months goals around whatever that could be sports. I've done a lot of endurance sports. I want to do this in six or twelve months. That those kind of goals I have been uh, I have been using, uh, but uh, but 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 honestly. My attention right now is um, is is on Pleo, and therefore, personal goals they're a little bit second or third line. They are aligned with Pleo, and they're converging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, uh, thank you for the answer, Alexandra. Thank you for that question. So, since we're talking about goals now, uh, I want to dive quickly here now on top three KPIs, Jeppe. What is Pleo's top three KPIs on? Your level on a company level that you are deadly serious about. Yeah, I think the the, the let's say the three buckets. One is organizational health, and and there's a number of KPIs, but you know the engagement of the organization, and we have actually also just one score for that, is um, is important. Another one is uh, customer health, and and there's of of course also a number of metrics here, but. Uh, we, we measure NPS and we, we measure uh, net retention, those kind of metrics. Uh, but customer health is is very important. And then there is uh, financial health, and and um, the, the top metric here is is you could say growth compared to investments. Uh, some would say whatever growth efficiency or whatever, but that that would be the top metric uh, right now. There's so much more things I would dive deep here, but uh, you are a busy man, so we don't have so much time. So I need to go for the ending here and start with the first ending question. Jeppe, if you would give yourself 
one thing if you if you want throwing two it's okay but one thing you would tell yourself when you when you start the playoff or like seven years ago what would that be that you now know i think one thing is i'll give you two actually uh i think one thing is that as a, as a younger self i i feel i was very hard skill centric you know in university and the first few years of my career i was very centered around you know learning hard skills I think what what I became aware of is that hard skills that's that is what fuels the rocket somehow. Um, but soft skills, and with that I mean, you know, the ability to to lead people, to communicate and and sell and and you know be be creating followership. That is what makes the rocket take off. Yeah. And and you know what that that is a muscle that can be trained earlier on, and and I do feel that some some at least my younger self was was maybe a little bit too focused on the hard skills. Uh, so that was one. The other one is I I tend to call it like you feel like a duck, and uh, so does everyone else. And what I mean by that is, as a younger self not knowing a whole lot and being very inexperienced and stuff like that, I had the feeling that everyone around me, they were a lot cooler somehow, you know, <laughs> and they had their, their stuff together. And it, 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 it applied a lot of stress somehow that, you know, I feel, I feel honestly so insecure if I'm doing well enough, right? And that's what I mean by, you know, a duck, because on, on the surface, you're calm and, you know, you feel like you're in control. But underneath the water, you know, you go like this. And, and the fact is that, you know, I, I've learned that kind of everyone else was, 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 was having it the same way, right? Yeah. And, and it's like a natural, it's just natural in, in the early parts of your career. And, and I think, you know, knowing back then that, and daring to talk about it and 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 stuff like that would have made it a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so I I I try to um, I try to tell people that it's completely normal and you know just just go be open about it. It's um it, it's 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 not dangerous to to suck at stuff. It's natural in the beginning, right? Great thing for all the listeners to hear. So Jeppe, uh, this question now this is just for me myself nerdy because I'm creating a sales tool with them. What is the best outreach to you what is the best way to do encode outreach to you just collecting data points here now i don't want to mention that because uh, then suddenly people will be knocking on my door at home or something like that <laughs> then we are so no, i uh, i i think linkedin is probably the best place because my email it's just i don't even open those emails right um and even on LinkedIn, I'm not super responsive if it's not relevant or if people are asking for too much. But but I do think I, I do scroll through it. And you, you, you as a C, as a CEO, you, you get a lot of stuff, uh, yeah. and you, you need to be really creative in, in how you like you did. You know, you, yeah. you you caught my attention somehow on a platform where I was active, and and, and you need to be creative to 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 get engagement nice Jeppe which other B2B socio are you inspired by and would like me to interview and listen to 
So in, in the in the Danish ecosystem, you should speak with uh, with Mass uh, Fosilios from Dixa if you haven't spoken with him. Uh, great guy, great great mission, um, ins- inspirational company. And then uh, with 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 a little bit of conflict here in interest, you should speak with Casper uh, Rasmussen in uh, Monza. Uh, he is where booked. I, am. I will record with he him this week. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife and I, we are investors there. To you who listened, if you like what you heard and want to hear great insights from more top B2B SaaS CEOs, press the subscription button on this podcast. Then I know that you need to, to run. So thank you for taking the time to help me and the community keep on learning. Awesome. Have a good day.